Hello, everyone. House packs unplugged. Thank you. Thank you for bearing with us for a second. We were getting some last-minute AV stuff done. My laptop doesn't rotate all the way. Oh, yep, so it's going to do that. Um, so welcome to Hidden Gems. Da-da-da-da. <laughs> da, da, da. Um, discovering the undiscovered packs unplugged. Um, this is the first time we've done this panel. We usually do this at the video game packs, and now we're taking it to the to the analog packs. Um, let me introduce our panelists. Uh, I'm Del Alvento. I'm the co-founder of War Games. Uh, right next to me, Alex Damrath, founder of Brain Deer Games. Um, next to him, oh yeah, applause, please. <laughs> He's very shy. We need to make him uncomfortable. Um, next to him, Adriel Lee Wilson, COO of Ninth Level Games. Uh, and last but certainly not least, Victoria Kanya, um, uh, producer at Wizards of the Coast and also game designer at Cat Quartet Games. So many roles, so many titles, so many awesome people on this panel. Um, so basically how this panel works is that I, I ask these fine folks up here to, to scurry the, the show floor and, and pick out some, some gems, if you will, to come to the panel and showcase. And um, it, so let's talk about board games for a second. Y'all familiar with board games? You know board games? Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, so I'm not, I'm not the biggest board game player. I like board games, despite what this man might tell you. Um, and, at the other Paxes, it's really easy to pick out or to tell what's not a gem or like what's not hidden. Like, because it's gonna have a giant booth, it's gonna have a giant banner, it's gonna have a big thing. But like, in, in, in the expo floor here, there's kind of like a gradient, right? Like it kind of mm -hmm. goes like, okay, obviously the bigger stuff like starts on one end of the expo floor and as you go away from it, it gets, it's the smaller and smaller, like more indie stuff. But like still it's like, it, it's, it's still hard to tell, at least for me, and maybe I'm just an ignoramus and, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's 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 interesting. It's interesting how they how they set that up. Do you do you all have any uh, feedback thoughts on that? Yeah. Before so, we get going. So for me, I'm actually um an, by day I work at Wizards, but by night I'm an indie game designer, and so uh, I'm based in Seattle, and I know a lot of the independent game designers. So for me, I I think I know where to look. Like the the places that you want to go at conventions are usually like the prototype areas. Right. Here at PAX, there's a room called the Collaboratory, uh, which is like on the first floor, and so they have a lot of in independent games in the prototype phase, and that's where you can hear about games in the really early stages and follow them. And actually, many of those games who have been at PAX in um, like the playtesting halls are now actually in the convention hall, mostly right. in like the 4,39 row towards the back. Yeah. yeah. But it's a really great corner. I recommend going to that mm -hmm. corner. And then maybe over time they'll get bigger and bigger and get to the, the closer end, and then we'll all hate them because they're the big ones now and be like, <laughs> oh, you sold yourself out. Um, but let's get going. We're going to showcase some stuff um, that we hope you go take a look at. We've also included, uh, because this is tabletop, I've included player counts and time to play uh, because I know that's very important. I'm getting some nodding heads. Yes, I would like to know how long. Oh, you're going to set me up for a three-hour game? Please don't do that. Um, so let's get going. All right, so starting off, this is still an awkward setup to look at this. Um, Alex, this is literally the first game we played yeah. uh, when we sat down. Uh, Calico. We got to demo it at the Kickstarter booth with right. the, um, I want to say she was the artist and he was the designer? Yeah, that might be correct. Right. Um, 
I, I know one of them was the designer. Uh, and they also have their own booth, Flat Out Games, I think. You also are showcasing a flat-out games game. Uh, we'll get to that one, but um, basically, this one works. Um, do you like cats? Who likes cats? Yeah. <laughs> do you like quilting? Who likes quilting? All right, this game's got both of those things. Um, so basically, you're trying to pattern your own quilt, mm -hmm. um, and you're matching, you're matching colors and you're matching patterns. Right, um, and, it, and, it, and it's uh, it's colorblind. Um, it, it has colorblindness in mind. It's accessible. Um, they have like uh, symbols that represent the colors as well. So you see on here is this a banana or a moon? I don't think we ever came to terms with. I think what it was. She said it could be a banana or a moon. It's okay. up to you. The banana moon. Sure. The moonana. Um, <laughs> and there's like a blueberry for like dark blue, and there's like a leaf for green. Um, but basically, you are trying to get as many of these patterns and colors like chained together as possible to like create combos right and um, basically how it works like when you start the game there are like three cats and each cat has like a multiplier tied to them and it's like okay this cat is the five multiplier and they are tied to this these two patterns so mm -hmm. if you get either of these patterns five in a row you get this cat and this cat is equal to this many points right um, and then the same thing for the color if you match three colors in a row you get a button that's tied to that color and it it equals three points. And then what's also interesting is that they have these tiles here. You see these like weird symbolic tiles in the center here. And basically that's another rule that you want to try to complete. So like for this one, the rule here is all the adjacent colors to that hex have to be, you have to have one of each individual color or one of each individual pattern and if you get both, you get the orange number is tied to it. So if you only hit one of those things, you get the blue number, which is 10 points. And if you get the, uh, both of those, both one of each pattern, one of each color, you get uh, the 15 points behind it. But it's, uh, it's a really interesting game. It's like, weren't we like, oh, this is such a nice, like, it's thoughtful game. And then a, at the end, we totaled the points. And I'm like, I hate you. <laughs> it's a very mellow, relaxing game in the moment about juggling several strategies at once. Yeah. And... That's what makes it really enticing, just because it is, you know, usually when you have juggling multiple strategies, you're playing something like an engine builder or just something really deep. And well, this was fairly quick and, and really relaxing. Again, because I'm ignorant about board games, what does an engine builder mean? Oh, just like multiple turns, placing units, building structures, okay. all kinds of currency. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And we played with four people, so it was like the max amount of time was like 45 minutes to play it. Yeah. yeah. All right, moving on. Victoria. Cento colon oh, yes. Ultimate Arcade Fighter. Yeah, so this, I think it's going to Kickstarter in April of next year, and it's by Penguin and Panda Games. Uh, so this game is basically a two-player uh, marble puzzle fighter game. So I feel like if you look at the picture over there, basically... Um, you, you play on different sides and they have different characters to play. So you could play like a Thai chef, a South Korean DJ, like a Filipino dancer. And so they have like very cool thematic characters that you have and you, each character has their own like special set of powers that tie to that. Like the Thai chef, the moves are actually like cooking moves. So that's super cool. And basically what you do is you are trying to uh, KO your opponent. And the way that you do that is by matching um, marbles of the same color. And based off of the number of marbles that you uh, tap, that allows you to activate various abilities that you have specific to your character. And what makes this really interesting is that it's, it's actually very interactive because your row, you're only able to tap marbles in the row closest to you and the row in the middle. And so the row in the middle is 
is shared between you and your opponent. So you could do different things to like mess them up and prevent them from doing different things that they're trying to do. Is the row the the field in between your cards? Or? Uh, so you so you don't really have cards. It's it's more like uh, that big card that you have in front of you tells you, okay, okay, if you tap like one red, you get to do this low level ability. But if you tap like three red, then you get this like way bigger ability. So it's like it's just a play mat that also has the rules on it, so you can remember yeah, them. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Each year, each um, character has their own abilities, though. So your play mat will be different from. Oh, that's opponents. cool. Yeah. Uh, I, I wasn't able to find the info online. Do you know? So is it just two player? Is yeah, it max a, two player? Yeah, it's a two player game. How long does it take you to play? I think it's like 30 minutes. It's really fast. It's very addicting and fun. Okay, cool. Oh, also, um, so I, you probably noticed by now, we list the developer's name, we list the, the booth number. Um, sometimes we don't list the developer's name. We, I list specifically what they're listed in the guidebook app. So if you like look this up in the guidebook app afterwards, that's what's going to show up and it's going to show you the booth number. Um, the exception here is Penguin and Panda Productions. I don't know why, but they're only listed as their booth number. Oh, really? Like everything else is like name, booth number, name, booth number. This one's just booth number. So if you look up 4155, they're like in the, the far yeah. corner. Alex, tell me about this Tetris game. Okay. <laughs> uh, team three asks three players to take three minutes and each one has to don a, a kind of physical handicap, I suppose, um, where... One of them cannot speak. One of them cannot, uh, essentially, like, like, one can't hear, so that's like mimicking the other person not being able to speak. Oh, okay. And then the third person has to keep their eyes shut the whole time. So this is where the see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil motif right. comes in. You can't really see it, but someone, like, there's the monkey, like, logo is, and, is right on is the on box. It. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the goal is the, the person who can't talk. Um, has a card in front of them with a shape that is made out of all the different pieces in the box. And they have to, using only hand gestures, tell the person who can't hear what to pick up, and then, uh, or like what, describe to them the shape that only they can see. Okay. The person who can't hear them talk then has to tell the blind person what to pick up and where to place it. Interesting. And you have to complete it in less than three minutes. Oh, all right. <laughs> so it's as simple as heck, but real frantic, Real dang fun. I, I sat at that booth for like a couple rounds. That's cool. Yeah. Is it, so it says three to six. So are you playing against another team? Or? They mentioned there is a like six player option okay. where the blind person, like you have like two people um, who can only use one hand. And uh, <laughs> it's like that. Whose line is it anyway skit where yeah. like the other person has the arms? The... There's like a lot of little extra challenge modes they talked about that we didn't really get around to trying. Like the cards even have multiple difficulty levels on oh, okay. them. Um, there's one where you only see it at a certain angle, so you're trying to make it from a certain angle. Okay. I can't remember what the six-player variant for the other two character types are, but um, yeah, there's, there's ways to make it. As soon as you master that basic principle, you can just keep scaling it, apparently. That's cool. Yeah. It's a blast. If anyone has any questions about any of these games you're talking about, feel free to, feel free to chime in. Yeah. Um, Adriel. Okay, so this is Noctiluca <laughs> from Z-Man Games, and I got to demo this yesterday, and I really enjoyed it. First of all, I was very attracted to the art and the bright colors in the game, and basically what you do is each player has 
three of those little pawns and you place your pawn and do you see how the, the sort of orange squares on the edge have, uh, have two edges to them? You choose a direction and you say, I'm gonna take all the sixes going in this direction. And then you pick up all the sixes and you've got cards in front of you that you're trying to fulfill the requirement of those cards. So it might be like three blue dice, one purple dice, one orange die. Once you've filled your card, you get to pick points from a points pile and as the points piles go down, they get more valuable. On your card that's telling you turn order on the back, you have one of the Noctiluca, which are these adorable, like sort of jellyfish-like creatures. And if you have the most of a color of cards that match your Noctiluca, you get more points. And it was really fun and relaxing, and I super enjoyed myself playing. And if you do the demo, you get the pin for the game, which was also super cool. So the components are really nice. And I, and I already talked about the art. And if you're a fan of like sort of puzzle games like, like um, Sagrada or Azul, yeah. this is definitely one to check out. Alex and I played it a little bit last night with some oh, nice. with some friends. Yeah. Did you like it? Yeah. It uh, was... So we messed up one of the rules because you're supposed to keep like what colored jellyfish you have hidden. Yes. We didn't. Oh no. So we all just knew what everyone had, and we're like, okay, so where like where does like the real like politicking come into play? <laughs> right, like how do right. how do you like screw over the other players? And yeah. we. we, we... We were looking at the turn order, and we thought the dice at the bottom of the turn order, like those were the colors we were uh, looking for. Yeah. And then we flipped them all over at the end. We were like, they were all identical. All the same? <laughs> <laughs> we're like, oh, this is just the rule set reminder card. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whoops. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I think it's cool. I think it's a it's a fun thing. Yeah, the jellyfish are so cute. They're so cute, and like, like I'm a fan of of a game that I can sit down and enjoy with my friends that isn't too cutthroat. I mean, we've we've got plenty of time to play cutthroat games but like sometimes you just want I'm sitting at the table and I just feel happy and this is what that game did for me it's just the right amount of like take that yeah. that you really can't quite plan for any other strategies yes. you only know once you've picked a lane that they're like ah darn you like, <laughs> right. I, I, needed I, that. Just give, I just <laughs> gave you dice you need it yeah <laughs> alright <laughs> okay <laughs> All right, Alex, you're the youngest person up here, and you know what Blockbuster is, right? Yeah, I went okay. to Blockbuster. Yeah, okay. So there's no way there's... Has, has anyone in here never been to a Blockbuster? Okay, I... I wait, you... Really? You're going? Oh, oh okay. All right. Okay. Well, I, I figured everyone had been to a Blockbuster, because we're not that far removed from them. Um... So we're walking around the booth, or the show floor, and there's just a booth that's just dressed up like a Blockbuster. And I'm like, excuse me? The blockbuster's getting in the tabletop now? I guess that's cool. Uh, you gotta go where the money is. And so we walk over there, and we're like, so, um, Blockbuster. And they're like, yeah, Blockbuster. And I'm like, okay, but how is it a game? And they're like, oh, it's a, tr it's a movie trivia game. I'm like, oh, okay. It's a movie trivia game, it's pretty clever. There's like some trappings around it where it's yeah. like, it's, um, Incomplete knowledge, you have like a couple of cards, you have to act out one, you have to only say one word from one, and you have to quote the other one to get people to guess. Um, and you're playing against another team, and so you start out with the six cards total, and you pick the three that you think you'd be really good at, at telling people, and then you give the other team the other three, and they have to figure theirs out. So uh, when we played, I got 
The ones I kept were Pinocchio, The Incredibles, and Forrest Gump, because those are all pretty easy to quote or, or use words about. And then I gave Alex here, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Thing, and what was the third one I gave Casablanca. you? Casablanca. Casablanca. <laughs> Only one of those I've seen, so. <laughs> yeah, Casablanca, because it's an amazing movie. I, well, yeah. Um, but, so, so, I mean, that's cool. Like, that's cool, but that's not why I have it up here. I have it up here because it's Blockbuster. And, and I'm like, I just walked up to the developers, and I'm like, so, are you, like, related at all to Blockbuster? Are you owned by Blockbuster? Like, how does this work? Where do you get to, like, add the register mark to this game? Yeah. And use the exact same logo, and... Right. Do you like, I was like, is this, like, like just naked IP ripoff? Like, it's just like, we don't care. They can sue us. They don't have any money anyways. How are they going to sue us? And they're like, no, we just went up to Blockbuster, and we asked them, hey, can we use, can we use the Blockbuster name in a game? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> and I guess you can do that now <laughs> which I've heard of like I mean yeah. obviously there's a lot of branded games out there and so you have to think it's like okay like someone had to broker this Marvel deal someone had to broker like X, Y, or Z thing mm-hmm. um, like if you think of like uh, uh, Games Workshop Games Workshop will license the Warhammer IP to anyone right. to anyone I played an Infinite Runner Warhammer game where you played as a Skaven in a Doom Wheel and that was the game <laughs> And they were just some random indie devs, and they're like, yeah, we just asked them, and they just gave it to us. So obviously it's a thing. So I'm very excited for when Hollywood Video the Game comes out. Because, um, I mean, that was my video rental store of choice as a child. Uh, but yeah, you should check this out. If you're good at, if you're good at movie trivia, it's, it's pretty fun. Mm. Also Blockbuster. Yeah. Rest in peace. Um, Adriel. Okay. You, you, you gave us the longest game. I did. <laughs> on here. So I wanted to, to kind of get some like balance in my choices. And this is Aftermath from Plaid Hat Games. If you've ever played Mice and Mystics, this is sort of a similar setup where you're playing through a story. It's post-APOC, mice, guinea pigs, rats, and you play through the story of each character and it just looks so good. It's not the kind of game that you can sort of rock up to the booth and demo, but if you are into this type of game, highly recommend. Like, I'm definitely going to go home with a copy. And the the production value is beautiful. The minis (laughs) look Great. Yeah, I I did some Google image searches to find a good photo, and I was like, oh, it's like okay, it's like some dice and stuff. Like, is this all the components of the game? Like, and I clicked next, and it was like, oh, these are some minis. Next, oh, these are Mm -hmm. a bunch of cards. All right, next. All right, this is a map. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot to this. Um, is it? Are they demoing it though? At, so on the, if I'm not sure if they're demoing it anywhere that's not their booth because okay. they definitely didn't have room okay. at their booth to like sit down and play through an adventure. Right. But it might but, be at the free players. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and I I highly recommend you go check it out. Is the board a whole notebook? Yeah, it's it's a ring bound book, and the adventures are in the book. So you're playing through the stories that are in the book. And so you like flip through chapters, and you're actually yeah. like uncovering new maps and. Oh, that's so cool. And it's replayable because you're not playing with every character when you play the game. So you can play, like, through with two or three characters, then go back, do it again, play with different people. So, yeah. That's cool. Victoria, Fantastic Factories. Yes. So, actually, I have the box here. I was like, I went to their booth and I said, can I borrow the box? I'm going to be on a panel. It would be nice if I could put it on the table. Uh, But in this game, uh, you're basically trying to build the most efficient 
factories in order to produce the most uh, goods and prestige. And what I really like about this game is that it's it's like an engine building game. So if you like a game like Gizmos, this is something that I think that you would enjoy. It has like a lot of elements um, that are very puzzly and challenging, but it could, it's still very interactive. So the way that the game works is that there are a bunch of cards like this, which are basically, uh, they're blueprint cards that allow you to build different things and uh, you, you take turns drafting those cards into your hand, and then every player then takes simultaneous actions, which is great because um, in a lot of games when you have to wait for each player to take their turn, and I have some indecisive friends, and I could just, <laughs> I'll just glare at them. I'll be like, I don't, don't read every single thing, just make a, make a decision. Um, but in this game, there are simultaneous actions, so everybody like rolls uh, 4d6, and then um, those whatever they roll, those are their workers. And based off of the numbers that you rolled, you can do different things. So you have this like board and um, different numbers allow you to get different things. Like you can draw cards, you can get um, electricity, you can get metal. And then with those resources, you can then um, build these various uh, factories that then allow you to do stuff like produce goods and like convert, go um, convert resources to other things. So in a way, like if you also like games like Century Spice Road, which have a lot of resource conversion, this is like a very satisfying game where you could think about like, okay, what can I do with my energy and my metal? How can I turn this into like the most efficient factory uh, possible? So highly recommend this game. That's cool. The, the idea of like doing stuff simultaneously, yeah. I really like. Uh, Alex, uh, you picked two games from the Oint Games thing, and, and so again, I was very, I was, it was one of those things where I was like, is this obscure, these people? Because like, again, I have, I have no sense of scale for like what the, what the small stuff is. The, the, I, oh, sorry. Okay, I, I think they're growing more rapidly recently, oh, okay. but the thing is, they've been like Japan exclusive for so long. Got it. I think, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is their first year at, at PAX Unplugged. Oh, all right. Um, and the thing about the tabletop world is, like, someone can be, like, real big, and you can just have never heard of them right. because your paths just never crossed. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I saw that happen. I saw one of my friends was talking to one of his co-designers and was talking about an Oink Games game. And he's like, I haven't heard of him. Right over here. <laughs> um, so fake artist goes, and you, you, do we want to hit that one first? And uh, then do... Yeah, so... I say so, we because obviously we chose them together. Right. Uh, Dylan and I... No, we didn't. I, <laughs> I, I dragged Dylan into this booth because I was like, oh man, Oink Games, like I'm starting to hear more about them more recently as they're publishing in the, um, in the West and... I, I had to check these out. I um, had heard really good things about these two specifically, so these were the two that we tried, but honestly, go and play all of them, honestly. It seems like they're all pretty unique. They specialize in these small box, like practically pocket size, perfect little games that you can carry into a bar and just like pop out, open, and start experiencing immediately. So uh, a fake artist is is me. Right, fake artist. Um, it's a, a very casual social deduction meets, uh, what's it, pictograms? Pictionary. Pictionary. Um, pictograms. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, where you have someone picks out a, an object and says out loud a category and on these whiteboard pieces writes down the name of the object but on one of them just writes an X and then passes those out. So among you, there's one player who has no idea what you're drawing. And then everyone has their own unique colored marker. They pass a pad around. 
one by one, you draw a line, pass it to the next person. It just keep, yeah, it goes for two rounds like that, and then at the end, you count to three, and everyone tries to point at who they think is the fake artist. And if the majority figures out the fake artist, they have one last chance to win by guessing what the object is that they were all trying right. to draw. Of course I know it is. It's a scuba diver. Right. <laughs> it's, a, it's a plane. <laughs> so it ends up creating this incredibly unique strategy uh, situation where you have to try and correctly draw the thing, but maybe not like too well, or you have to like pick an object that is complex enough that it can't quite be figured out, but simple enough that everyone can draw it and not be, you know, singled out as a fake artist if they're not. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a very brain melty, but constantly fun party game. So I'm going to recommend some stuff. If you, if you play this game, yeah, like you said, you have to, you have to pick something like complicated. Like, right. like the first time we tried it, we did an apple. Yes. <laughs> and I was a fake artist, and I realized immediately what we were drawing. Because the category was food. I was like, there's only so many food items that have a stamina leaf on them. <laughs> um, but, like, they could obviously tell from the beginning that I was, like, the fake one. Because, like, people were drawing these, like, nice curves, and I drew a straight perpendicular line. <laughs> and I immediately realized my error. Um, but, yeah, it's really cool. Also, thank you to Polygon, because they had the nicest uh, photo of the, of the game. <laughs> so I used that. Um, and startups. Now, you should help me out with this one because I okay. feel like walking away from it, I, there's still some things about it that I didn't quite understand. All right, let me tell <laughs> you. like capitalism? <laughs> yeah, thank you. Whoever said hell no, thank you. Uh, that was a test and you passed. Uh, basically, this game is about uh, uh, investing and divesting in, in startups. Um, ergo the name. Uh, so there's like six... So there are six different startup companies in the deck, and it's a deck of cards, and each of them has a number. And the number corresponds to how many, basically, cards of that uh, company are in the deck. And you draw, what is it, three? I forget. You, what start, you start with three. With, you start with three. And you right. draw one and play one. So every turn, you can do one of a couple actions. Um, you, you draw first, uh, and you can either uh, divest yourself of a, well... All right, now I'm getting the terminology mixed up. You can get rid of a card, which means I don't want the stock anymore, or you can lay it down and reveal it and say that I am basically going all in in this. And when you put one down on your side, it kind of it has like the go fish rules. Basically, it's like I am locked into this. Like I, right. th this is part of my portfolio now. Um, and then basically, what happens? It, it's a game of basically incomplete information where you want to be, uh, you want to make sure you have the most of any particular stock, uh, most number of cards, but you can only have three hidden cards at any time, and the rest you either have to get rid of or you have to lay down and, and reveal that you have that. And then there's some other modifiers in the play, like if you have the most cards revealed of a certain stock, you have these giant tokens here at the bottom, which means that you can't uh, pull one from the market, which is when you give one away, and it's a publicly revealed pile. So you have the hidden deck, you have a revealed pile, and then you have your own stuff. Um, and you can't pull from the revealed ones of one that you already are the majority shareholder of. Mm -hmm. um, and basically the, the game ends with victory points that you start with like 10, right? Yeah. And every time you uh, don't take a, a card out of the market that's already been revealed, uh, you have to invest in it. A victory point from your own pot has to be added to it. And then at the end of the game, basically if you are, if I have say like one of these is Elephant Mars 
travel, I think yes, is, that was what it's called, right? Mm -hmm. um, and if I have five elephant cards travel total, both in my hand and revealed, and Alex has four, Alex has to give me four victory points. But then the victory points from his pot that he gives to me convert to three, so they multiply. Um, so, so you want to have the most, but not too many, in case you're below someone else, because then you end up paying out the most. Yeah. And uh, I, I guess to summarize this, I consider one of my big board gaming litmus tests for like just what I enjoy to be Love Letter, just like a game of, of fast-paced bluffing and incomplete information. And this, this could be a suitable replacement for that one, like in my back pocket, just going out yeah. to any. And, and, and the boxes are super small, so they could literally right. probably fit in your back pocket if you're wearing like, I don't know, cargo shorts. So definitely go check out Oink Games, give them a warm welcome into this side of the world. Yeah. Oh boy, all right. Complicated board game, the card game, <laughs> is uh, a game that I've never won. <laughs> because it's very complicated. So basically, all right, so I'm going to try to go through this rule set real quick because I mean, I don't want to get bogged down at it. So basically, you have a couple of, of things going in play, and they're complicated because, you know, ergo the name. Um, so you have a deck of like action cards that everyone pulls from, and then you have basically five what are called like tiles. And the tiles all are assigned like certain attributes, and basically, you have a field that you share that you're like building tiles together. And there's a like Rochambeau-esque component to the tiles where um, I think Pat goes like, it's like, soldiers go on sheep, sheep go on spaceships, spaceships go on castles, castles go on hats, hats go on soldiers. And that's his pitch. He's going to do that to you. You and should go to the You're going to be unentertained because I just ruined the joke. I, I think you should go to the booth just to hear him say that out it's loud. It's pretty, it's pretty. Because he, yeah. he's got it nailed down and does it so fast. Yeah. It's, <laughs> um, it's, it's auction. Barker-esque. It's very yeah. good. But so you're trying to get rid of it's like Uno in that in, in with the tiles that you're trying to get rid of your entire thing of, of tiles. You start with five, you want to get to zero, the first one gets to zero wins with the base rules. And then what comes into play is that everything you have in a hand and you have two action points every turn, and you play cards that completely change the rules of the game. Just like completely change it. So like you start out with this with the tiles with like an uh, orthogonal. Uh, uh, direction, so you, you put tiles next to other tiles, you know, north and south, east and west, and then you play a card called stacks. It's like, alright, we're not playing orthogonally, we're playing vertically. So you play a tile on top of other tiles, and so it covers up what the values of the previous tiles were, and they just go up and up and up. Um, what is it, what's another one? Uh, uh, we had one yesterday that made it so uh, normally you can only play one of those tiles per turn, and we made it so you could do two. Yeah. Uh, there's a card. There, there are rule cards that you can add that stack, and it's like, okay, we now have a rule that you get three action points every, every turn instead of two. You can play a card that only applies to yourself. It makes it so you can ignore the limitations of, yeah. of where you put tiles. You could just put it anywhere right. on the board. There's one, there's a rule where the tiles, instead of playing it into the field, you play it into another person's tile hand. And so now you're building <laughs> tiles out from their hand and they're slowly accumulating. <laughs> um, there's a card that's literally just called, I flip the table. And you just wipe the entire field. Uh, it's it's pretty wild. There are also yeah. like secret win conditions, which are right. my least favorite part, <laughs> because the the two times I played with a designer, he had a secret win condition called MVP, which means if you win, I win. <laughs> like if you win the game, you don't win the game. I win the game. And he's played on me twice, <laughs> and I hate it. Uh, but it's very fun because it's just like it's it's both like kind of like a memorization game of like 
trying to remember what the state of play is right now and how how can I manipulate that to to my own ends. It all comes from juggling these these tens, twenty rules in your head at once. There's also literally a memorization card where you flip all oh. the tiles upside down so they're blind, so you don't know what matches to what and where where what the uh, current cards are. That's <laughs> um, very good. It's at the Tabletop Co-op, which has a bunch of different games. It's a bunch of different designers working together and pulling in their resources, and it has a, there's a bunch of cool stuff over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can take questions at the end. Uh, just, just regarding this one, it's got a Kickstarter that ends in three days. Right, thank you, actually. Uh, yeah, Kickstarter ends in three days. Um, if you want to back it, it's very cool. Um, it's actually the expansion. So oh, it's, it's, yeah. con- it's God. Do you remember the full title? Complicated board game, the bar game, game to play, like ready to play or something. It's like, like that. time to play. Yeah, yeah. with number two. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Alex. Clask. 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 Uh, this is another sort of foreign board game. That's that's. I don't think it's making its debut, but it's starting to grow. I mean, that booth sure was big. It so. was a fairly big booth. Um, this is Danish magnetic air hockey. Uh, where you have a, a, a handle essentially underneath the board that controls your puck, which is that um, the tall bit there, and you're trying to it's like knock- a sorry piece almost. Yeah, it kind of looks like that. And you uh, knock. You're trying to knock basically the yellow ball into your opponent's uh, hold there. And um, there's a couple tricks to this. The biggest one being you have to serve from one of the corners. Um, the second one being those white pucks in the center there are traps and they are magnetic and if you get too close to them they stick to your piece and if two of them stick to you that's a point for your opponent so you have to make sure you don't go too far you can knock the ball into them and try and push them closer to your opponent's side yeah there's like a there's another layer that that adds that makes this far far richer than like any other air hockey game because you have to play very carefully, cautiously. It's not quite as fast paced until you get really good enough. But in in the moment to moment, it's 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 pretty deep. Yeah. Also, if you fall into your own goal. Oh yeah, and if you fall into your own goal. Player, a, yeah. So let me tell you about my hidden strat this game <laughs> so if you take the magnet and you pull it away from the sorry piece it starts to like fall over and stuff and then you can do this little break dance maneuver and then you just and then they can't predict where you're going you're just, you're just flailing everywhere and then you're a wild card we were told that's not a tournament legal maneuver uh, but it's house you, rules but you can you can do it um, <laughs> they also have a round circular four player version so you can uh, bring a larger group over and try that. I only did the two-player, and that was fun enough for me, so i got to find some time to do that. But, yeah, Clask, That's for cool. sure. Victoria, Cascadia. Cascadia? Yeah. No? Oh, I, oh, wait, did I? I'm sorry. I might have... I haven't played it, but oh, okay, I've okay. been talking with the designers. Oh, you too. have? Okay. All right, so this was one of your games, Victoria. This was one okay, I was worried I accidentally <laughs> put oh, your no, name on it. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so this so this game, um, it is going. I think this is also going to be on Kickstarter next year. A lot of my games are like real, real hidden gems that you have to like kind of wait for some of them. Um, so in this game, it is a it's like a puzzly tile laying game about the Pacific Northwest. And so the way that it works is that um, do I have pictures of the tiles on there? Uh, I only have the yeah, one. Have, those are like. Yeah, you have these. Oh hexagons. yeah, the tiles are in there. So you have these like hexagon pieces, and uh, basically they they tell you what type of land it is. Like, is it a wetland? Is it a mountain? Is it a river? And that dictates the type of animals that can be there. So um, 
you, you're basically like drafting those and putting them in your tableau in front of you. And then on top of that, you also have these like circle pieces which have, which have the actual animals. And so what you're trying to do is there are a bunch of different victory conditions that say things like a hawk scores like one point for, um, for like, you score, um, you score points for every time you have a hawk that is not next to any other hawks. Uh, you get a point for all of the salmon that are next to each other in a run. You get points for like all the bears that are clustered near each other. And so, uh, so yesterday I was having a headache at the convention and I try to play some other games. Like I try to play um, Pret-a-Porter, which is the fashion heavy Euro game. And then I got a headache, more, more of a headache. And I'm like, oh no, I, I wanna play games that are relaxing. And I played this game and it was so peaceful and it plays well at two players. It plays well at four players. And I think that it has, um, it has like a drafting and tableau building element that you don't really see that often, which is you you draft and you build your tableau, but then on top of that you put on, you build on top of that as well. So it's really cool. Um, I so so their site says one to four players. How how is a solo game of this? Oh, I don't. Do you know? I did not okay. play. I don't know if they gave a pitch version. on it or anything. Yeah, no, they did not. I imagine that there's probably like an AI. Oh okay. yeah. yeah. Um, how long did it take you to to play? I think this game was also about 30 minutes to play. Yeah. I, I was upset because I lost by two points at the end. <laughs> and I had thought that I was winning. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Adriel. Okay. Action so, pups. So can I see a show of hands for the cat people in the room? Okay. Now let me see a show of hands for the dog people in the room. All right, sweet. Now fight. No. Okay. So I am primarily a dog person, but I also love cats. Action Pups is the second game in this series from Together Studios. They also have an action cats version. So if you're like, oh, I enjoyed what Adriel said about that game, but I wish it were about cats, you can get one about cats. So basically, this is your, your standard like fun party game where you're making up nonsense about pictures of cute dogs. So you have a judge. The judge names the dog like, you know, McNoodles the fifth, and each player has in their hand cards with story elements on them. So each player takes two of those story elements, combines them, and tells a story about Noodles the fifth, and the judge decides who had the best story, and then you pass and go around. So you're like bog standard fun party game. And the best part about both action pups and action cats is that these are all pictures of people's real dogs so you're like oh that dog is so cute someone out there has that dog and loves it um but yeah i highly highly recommend both action pups and action cats they're just they're really good fun like let's sit down at the bar play a storytelling game or you know yeah that kind of thing my heart place is making up weird stuff so to get this game that's cool victoria seventh yes. night Yes, I do. I have it in front of me. Uh, so I'm pretty sure that this is at the. Does it say Big Cat booth? Are they a real booth or did Big I Cat make Games? Up? Yeah, Big I, Cat I, Games. Okay. They're on the. They're in the tabletop section. So the expo floor, for some reason, is not the tabletop section. There is a tabletop section that is, is separate from that. Oh yeah, it's it's near like the first. They're right in front of the first look section near right. Zulu's. And what I really appreciate about them is that they're bringing a lot of games from Asia, specifically Japan, to the US. So one of the things that I look forward to the most at every convention is, okay, what are games that I can't buy here? Yeah. Great, I gotta buy those or else I have to go to Japan to try to buy these. 
Um, so this game is uh, Seventh Night, and it's a two-player game that is really, really fantastic. If you like games like um, Hanamakoji or if you like Battle Line, this is a really great game, and it has similar mechanics, but I think it's different enough that it's worth owning. Um, so the way that it works is that you have uh, seven different like circle uh, area tiles, and there is a there's like a fairy pond. It's very cute close up. Yeah, very cute. I thought you said very cute. I was like, all right, that's like that's like an epic level pun. I like yeah. that. And basically, you have these different number cards. It's like one to four, I think. And what you do is you play that on the particular area to move the fairy left or right. But the thing is, is that the two uh, the two areas at the end are not connected in that like Pac-Man style way. The fairy can only go left and right to the end, back and forth. And so what you're trying to do is use these action cards to move the fairy where you would like the fairy to be, but also um, capture the area by having the cards with the highest uh, total on that area. And so the player who captures the most area wins. Cool. I want to say I appreciate so much that y'all brought the actual stuff to, to display. It looks, it looks really good. Um, I think that's it in terms of like the actual games we were, we were showcasing. Does anyone else? You have a you have a meeple. Victoria. Oh yeah, I do. You have a meeple. Yeah. So this is a hidden gem that is not a game. But while I was walking around looking for hidden gems, I found that they have these. They're called me pillows. Okay. And they're, <laughs> Uh-huh. This was $15. I feel what? like that's a deal, right? Like, I thought this would be, I don't know, like $30, but it's $15. <laughs> Where are they? Um, it's at the Tiki Tiki uh, board games booth, and they're in the corner in like the 4,000 row all the way at the end. Ah, hidden meeple pillows. Yeah. Uh, those hidden gems. Well, um, obviously, uh, folks up here are also game developers, and uh, I want to take a, a moment to showcase what they have. At, some of them have stuff at the show, some of them do not. Um, but let's go through them. Um, uh, Adriel, like I said, Chief Operating Officer, Ninth Level Games. Hi. So, Meeple Party is a one to five player puzzle strategy game about throwing the best party ever. And this is actually the first con we have it at. So I'm very, very excited. We have a giant version in the giant games area where you can move giant meeples around a giant dollhouse. Um, And then we've got the game at our booth, 3423. Come by, play it. It's super fun. It's very brightly colored. And we also did colorblind testing. Oh, awesome. And we include stickers in the box just in case. That's cool. And you have a bunch of other stuff there, oh, too, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Um, so we just released two RPGs. Um, my RPG, The Excellence, where you are a cartoon princess in a cartoon world, and also you're in a band. Um, so that's available at our booth. And we also have our new fantasy RPG, Mazes, which is 70s-style sword and sorcery RPG, but with light modern rules um we're doing a learn and play of that game tonight at 5 30 and if you come and play you get a free die so that's awesome um and victoria you're showing off gladius which you also yeah, have here i do have it here i came prepared yeah so this so this game gladius um i'm actually in the collaboratory area for the rest of the day until seven o'clock so this is a game where you play as a spectator who's betting on and rigging the gladiatorial games uh, and so 
the, yeah, so basically the way that it works is that there are various events and then you have gladiator teams competing and you're trying to bet on teams to win and like also bet on teams to lose. And you have all of these various um, influence cards that you can use to like sabotage other teams, to make your team win. And so it's a, it's a super fun and really fast game. It takes like 30 minutes to play. And also the two player version is really strong. I know, I think I've been talking about this, like when a game has a strong two-player version, I really like that. And in our game, it was originally not good, and then we redesigned it, and it was super awesome, so much that I'm excited to talk about it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you can check us out. We're in the collaboratory. We're also on social media uh, um, at Gladius Card Game, and we also have a website, Cat Quartet Games. We're going to launch in February of next year. And um, so you're only in the collaboratory for today? My MacBook's about to die. Um, you're only in the collaboratory for today? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so it's like something where they cycle through some other games every day to play oh, test yeah, and yeah. stuff? Oh, yeah, yeah. So if you're looking for other hidden gems that are in, like, the proto- prototype stage, I go to the collaboratory because they're, I think there are, like, 30 different game designers, and they rotate out um, during the morning and the evening time. So you can find a bunch of cool stuff that, uh, like, or you, you can't buy the games yet, so it's a great place to check yeah, out. Yeah, this seems very indie mega booth-esque, um, if you're familiar with the ones at the, the other PAXs. Um, and Alex, you make games. You make those digital games. <laughs> yeah, I'm mostly a video game developer. I am, I, my only reasonably popular title is uh, uh, Woodsy, which Markiplier played at one point. Um, which- you scared him. Scared him. Apparently, dead. I scared him. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, but if you want to check out my itch or my Twitter, I occasionally post more things about like what I'm developing. Uh, and yeah, yeah. He's currently working on a like a first person like Sinistar spiritual like yeah. successor clone thing. It looks I, pretty I, cool. I wanted to try and get that out before Halloween. But it's taken me a little longer. What are you next Halloween? Halloween 2020. Sure. Yeah. Right. Definitely for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then, I, like I said, I'm the co-founder of Ward Games. Uh, we do a weekly podcast called Wardcast. You can check out. It's mostly about video games, but Alex has been has been bringing his his tabletop knowledge into it. Um, this is our eighth Hidden Gems panel. All the past ones are on there. So, I mean, if you're curious what we showcased in the past, you might want to check out some stuff. I mean, a lot of that stuff shows up at multiple PAXs, um, but you can find that all on our website, on our Twitter account. I use the hashtag PAX Hidden Gems, and I, if there's any board game or tabletop game that uh, you forgot that we showcased, I will tweet them all out tomorrow, like, as pro- I'm going to try before the, the show opens up, so you can, if you're here tomorrow, you can check them all out. And, uh, thank you! <laughs>